you can now hear Movie Heaven, Movie Hell on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand. Listen anytime, anywhere. Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discover from 20,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows. You can also create your own custom playlists. Stitcher is available on iOS, Android, Nook, iPad, and in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and it's on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory. You can stream your favorite podcasts from Stitcher. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at stitcher.com or in the App Store. And please leave us a review and rating on Stitcher. Thank you. Welcome to Movie Heaven, Movie Hell with me, Simon Aiken, and... And I'm Keith Isles, and we are both independent filmmakers that like to discuss films of other directors, both past and present. And currently we're going through the A to Z of directors, and we're discussing films of theirs that we like, and films of theirs that maybe we, we don't like as much. Exactly. Or sometimes hate. Yeah, sometimes hate. <laughs> More rare in my case. Sometimes, sometimes we hate them, yes. <laughs> well, before we get on to tonight's director, uh, we are recording on the 11th of January. And of course, there is one news story that is, you know, it's just out there. It's just, it, it, if I feel having now. Um, done corporates and sort of news events uh, when a big news story comes along uh, it usually does wipe out everybody else and um, and of course uh, this is the day that David Bowie died yes a very sad day very sad uh, but you're right it is all over uh, the news everywhere you turn and um, yeah it's just sad that we're, the entertainment industry is always losing good people um and uh you know mr bowie was certainly one of them um so so yes yes very sad very very uh bringing us back to january after after christmas joy etc so um yeah yeah maybe we'll uh at some point i don't know maybe maybe, maybe we'll he he did some films as well so he might get mentioned somewhere down the oh, track. I'm, who knows? I'm certainly he'll uh, appear in um, some of the films we're going to talk about. I mean, we already s- spoke about his role in um, the, Prestige. the Prestige. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, I mean, you, you know, he was a, a, a multi-talented uh, individual. Um, you know, as well as kind of a an icon in many respects. You know, a, a, a fashion and style icon. You know, and a great. Uh, you know, musician and artist to boot. So, uh, yeah, very, very sad news today for that. Absolutely. Well, uh, for me, uh, a fond memory of mine from Blood and Roses was um, was Ben Green's impression of, of Bowie. Uh, he always kept asking people uh, uh, if he was a funky, funky vampire. <laughs> and 
Yeah, and of course, Blood and Roses um, had some influences from The Hunger. Of course. I mean, yes. especially from the point of view that uh, we never called them vampires, even though mm. that's what they were. Yep. Yep. So everything, it's all connected, isn't it? Somewhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One piece of work inspires another. And, uh, Indeed. So forth. Indeed. So, so, yes, our first, so our first, um, podcast of 2016 uh you know yeah. having done our christmas and new year specials um i do want to uh by the time this podcast airs most of the uh dvds would have been sent to our uh, our winners from the uh from, from from the selections uh at the new year and uh but i do i do i do owe one an apology actually i want to say we'll give him a mention andy lunn yes andy lunn i said uh, he picked a De Palma film, uh, which which I talked about, and I said, "Yeah, don't know who Andy is or why he picked this film necessarily." <laughs> and he he has since reminded us via email that uh, I did in fact sit next to Andy at this year's Fright Fest, uh, or sorry, last year's Fright Fest. Now, yeah, last year's Fright Fest, and um, yeah, had many film discussions with him, including uh, talking about. De Palma and whatever so my my apologies that I hadn't put two and two together there and realized it was the same guy <laughs> <laughs> there you go so you get a special mention on on, on our new year podcast <laughs> so um moving on to our director that we're going to talk about um well tonight we're going to talk about Alan Parker yes absolutely um yeah, there were a number of P's, another one of those letters where we had a few choices. But uh, but Alan Parker, you know, one of one of our uh, one of our great British um, film directors, uh, born in 1944. So uh, somebody that's, you know, always been around whilst we've been growing up and been fans and uh, interested in movies and studying movies. Um I guess kind of came from a, a similar sort of background to to Ridley Scott would have been one of his contemporaries, um, I would say, because this because he also came out of the uh, the directing commercials and and, and advertising uh, background. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, there is you should check out Alan Parker's website, uh, alanparker.com, dot com, because not only is there um, like trailers and making ofs there's also written essays about his films and um there is a reel of uh, a lot of his old commercials uh which include uh, the, a lot of adverts for benson hedges and birds i <laughs> <laughs> and there's uh, stuff uh i do remember seeing some of this as a kid mm-hmm. being on tv it's got that very old stuffy english voiceover to it yeah yeah well i mean you, you know he's I, I always felt um you know an, an interesting director because he is he's quite a he's quite an outspoken uh individual um you, you, you know tells it as it is um but you, you know he has done an absolute amazing impressive body of work over the years i mean he's done what was it uh 28 films in 14 years Something like that. A film every two uh, years or so. Something like that. But um, looking at his IMDb page, they've got him down for 19 credits as director. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, um, 
you know, he's always, I, I remember seeing a lot of his films uh, growing up, but certainly when I became, which obviously was, was pretty young for me anyway, when I became interested in, in filmmaking itself, um, did actually look and, and, and study um, quite a few of his films. And, you, you know, he's, he's another one that's done a, you know, quite a wide var variation of, of different types of films, different genres. He's obviously dealt with musicals, um, you, you know, so there's, there's quite a lot there. But he always, he always kind of admits that his, his influence, that though he's obviously very British, his influence has always been from American cinema. Um, oh, that's right. Very much of the sort of 30s, 40s and 50s, a bit like, I guess, you know, with, with our generation, it was always the 60s, 70s and 80s. Um, but, 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 you know, he, he was very influenced uh, by that and wasn't really, didn't really have a sort of foot in the theatre world um, or necessarily the British um, or what, what he always sort of classed as a typical British um, movie. He, 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 when interviewed, always talked about his, his interest and, and in this had always come from the American um, side of filmmaking this is right um i remember seeing an interview with him on the set of angel heart where he was talking about um how he liked working with american actors because uh they weren't so uh trained in his words that they weren't theater right. trained yeah uh, so they come across more real on screen than say you know somebody from that kind of training back in that day yeah because um i mean i don't know i've never been to um you know, acting school. And um, I don't know if the British um, system is, you know, more aimed at the theatre. I, I imagine it's not the case anymore, but back in the 70s, I'm sure that was the case. Yeah. I'm sure that yeah. a lot of the um, actors, their main goal was more to do um, theatre than it was to do TV and film. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, th I think you're, you're absolutely right over... Over more recent years, that's that's probably changed a bit, but um, yeah, often the focus on acting is is very much around uh, theatre, and and they don't necessarily do a lot of teaching about screen acting um, and how to act for for camera, which you know it is is a as we've talked about, I think on previous podcasts or extras, it is it is a different skill set. It is yeah. a slightly different skill set. Um, yeah. you, you know, it's a different tool. In, in in the toolbox but uh but yeah no i i saw that interview as well and um yeah he's uh he's you know very very interesting 2013 he, he actually got his um bafta academy uh fellowship award uh and i was i was lucky enough to go along to that and and hear him discuss his career and uh he, you know he is he's is a very interesting fellow but he's you know he he has some very strong opinions and uh he he you know, he's he's not afraid to share them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering why he stopped directing films after 2003. Because, you know, yeah. it's, it's been, you know, 13 years now since his last film. And um, it, it just seems kind of weird that he kind of stopped because, as you say, his output was very pr prolific. You know, mm. it was like every year or every couple of years there was a film absolutely absolutely and, and, and you know many of them um gaining you know critical acclaim as well so yeah. uh 
yeah, no, it, it is interesting why he's why he's not doing that now. I don't really know. I don't really know the answer to that, but um, I know uh, you, you know one one of the things he he was kind of and again he mentions this he's in commentaries etc that he does he tends to sort of really speak his mind about this stuff is he 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 was he's slightly frustrated with the although he loves american movies he's slightly frustrated with with the if you like the studio um you, you know means of funding and getting films made and, and you know sort of cop copying what was a hit the previous year and churning out, you know, more of the same stuff. He, he said he was always interested in, in finding different pro projects that maybe people hadn't seen before that was a bit different. And, and, you know, and that was the sort of thing that interested him. So I, I know he said he sometimes struggled to, uh, to find good material um, to, to, you know, to go out there and make. Um, but yeah, I, I, I in terms of why he hasn't done anything uh, for the last 13 years, that's, I'm not too sure. And it doesn't look like he's working on anything either, does it? No, so. no there's, there's, there's nothing on IMDb, but, uh, you know, when is IMDb right, been right? <laughs> well, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, one of the things I, I like about Alan Parker is that his filmography is very eclectic. I mean, from the fact that his first um you know proper feature film was bugsy malone mm -hmm. which was a gangster uh musical with kids mm. and then no absolutely his next theatrical film was midnight express yes which was like complete polar opposite of that yeah no I, I, absolutely i you know a very very wide um range of, of genres and, and types of film he's got there um but having said that he is definitely not a direct by numbers kind of filmmaker um having said that he you know he he's his his films they often do have um you know you know a, a certain style to them um but it's not a style that he un unlike when we were talking about De Palma and we say you can always sort of tell a, a De Palma film uh because he keeps using a lot of you, you know the his traits his tools he keeps repeating yeah alan parker's slightly different in so much as he does he does do something quite different um with them as, so as well as the subject matter being different um often the way he'll uh, he'll shoot something could, could be slightly different between film and film you know he, he does try new things and experiments although he does say that he always and he's he's very good at um, crediting his uh, his crew um, because he does tend to work with the same people right back from his commercial days. So uh, the, the the cinematographer and, and camera department uh, he usually takes from film to film, as he does his editor, his production designer, um, uh, you, you know, and so forth. So you know, he, he said he often. You know, film filmmaking being a team effort. You know, he surrounds himself with that uh, with that team uh, every time. Um, you know, to go and accomplish these results. Well, I would say the uh, one attribute you can always tell that it's an Alan Parkin film is that it's always visually stunning, and it's mm. always he's a, a visual stylist. There's there's yeah, always, nice. yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll go into it in more detail when we talk about the 
our picks, but there's always certain sort of motifs he kinds of use. And they're they're always sort of serving the story. They're not there just to have a pretty shot in there. They they are there for an absolute reason. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's always there to serve story and character, which is which is what it should be. And um, and it's funny because it's not often a lot of the things that he does, I think, are quite um, subliminal. They're not necessarily, you, you, you know, that. They're, they're not they don't necessarily bring your attention to it necess- uh you know all of the time so uh... or sometimes it does i mean there's hmm. i mean certain imaging that just sort of um tells you what the story is going to be all about mm-hmm. but uh before we move on to our picks i just want to ask did you ever see fame the tv series uh i have to say no i haven't okay well (laughs) i I just remember the theme tune obviously (laughs) well as a kid uh growing up my cousin was a massive fan so whenever i i used to stay around at my um grandma's you know my grandmother's for the summer (laughs) and uh my cousin would always be there watching fame so um I, i have to say growing up as a kid i hated it because uh-huh. <laughs> it's you know it's i want to be watching cartoons not fame but then going back so remembering that and think and thinking well i'll go go and watch the film and how different the film was that film was a hard pg <laughs> right right yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. a lot it was very different especially the whole sort of sex element to it right yeah which wasn't in the TV series. I mean, well, I, I gather <laughs> the TV series was very sanitized, and I haven't gone back and watched the TV series. But my memory of it was being very, you know, yeah. You know, they, they, they're going to do the theme tune, and then they're going to, you know, I think they made it a lot more family friendly. Oh, I'm sure. Film. I'm sure, particularly if it was on at those sort of times, yeah. anyway, and, yeah. and and particularly back then. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, as I said, I never ever watched it. To be honest, I have a memory of the, uh, you know, might might have listened to the beginning credits or whatever because of, <laughs> because of the song, and then switch it straight over to uh, to Wonder Woman or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but you've seen the film, though. Uh yes, yes, I have. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the film? Yeah, no, I I, I thought it was. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I said I've seen it. It was a long time back. It certainly wasn't anything I've uh, I've visited recently. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm delving back into my uh, into into my memory for that sort of thing. But yeah, it was uh, you know, it was it was interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> G- girls in leotards, you know, what what's 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 not to like, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well, let's move on. Yeah, um, let's move on because I don't really remember much. <laughs> oh, okay. <dear>. Right. <laughs> Steve, what is your pick for Movie Heaven? Right. My pick for Movie Heaven then is one that um, I kind of, thinking back, uh, sort of stayed with me at the time. And it's um, in 1987, Angel Heart, which is kind of a, you know, film noir, horror, mystery, thriller, uh, detective story. Um, essentially. Uh, this starred Mickey Rourke uh, back when he was sort of man of the moment in the 80s, you know, when he was like young in his 30s. Um, and Robert De Niro. Uh, is, and, and yeah, I, I went back. I remember seeing the film 
um, back in the VHS days again that we're always so fond of talking about. Um, yeah. And, you know, this this was at a point in time where I was um, quite interested. You know, I guess this must have been early 90s or whatever when it was out on um, video. Um, I, I was becoming quite interested in, in you know, filmmaking and, 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 and the craft and whatever. And, uh, you, you know, Alan Parker's films, as I've already mentioned, were, were usually very interesting to watch. Um, yeah, th this particular one, um, it, it was interesting to go back and revisit it, actually, because um, I don't often do this, but it was one of those DVDs that I bought, uh, you know, in probably 2003 or whatever. Um, and I bought it, you know, it was a special edition. They yeah, came with a booklet and it had like, you know, lots of extras on it. So the sort of thing I buy. But I think this is one that I may have, and it's very rare for me to do this, may have sort of put it in my collection and not actually watched for really? a while. Yeah, That's yeah. Enough. It was. I realized, I thought, I, you know, I haven't watched this in a long time. So um, so it was good to, to dig that out and actually go through everything and, and, you know, watch the film and watch the commentary and watch all the documentaries and stuff and, 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 and revisit it. And I, and I think, you know, I, I think it absolutely holds up and works, um, you, you know, incredibly well. Um, yeah, I just want to say that, I mean, um, I remember buying the exact same DVD and um, I'm, I mean, I, I'm kind of shocked that you didn't sort of, you know, you hadn't watched it, you know, since VHS. Yeah, and no, my, I, I the was DVD surprised. was kind of like the first time I had actually watched it properly. Yeah, I mean, I knew of it. I mean, it's you saw it on the video shelves, and it was always in the adverts on videos. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think so. I, I I might have got that wrong, but my recollection it was funny. I had that DVD, and I know it's always been in the rack. And I was like, do you know, I don't know when I when I actually watched this. I couldn't. I couldn't recall the time I watched the DVD of it, if that makes sense. So I was like, "Oh well, let's um, let's go through it all again." And 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 you know, uh, I think one one of the things about this film, um, obviously, it was based on, on a novel, but the actual screenplay itself was by Alan Parker. So um, you know, he adapted this and um, you, you know changed quite a few things. Um, from the novel to, to sort of make it more, you know, it's, it's back to that thing we say about the difference between um, novels and, and, and movies, you know, just to yeah. make it a bit more cinematic. But, you, you know, one of the things which we were touching on earlier about, you know, how he handles the craft of the actual filmmaking itself is what's interesting with this film is, um, you know, essentially it's this, you know, guy's, guy's descent guy's journey into hell um but it's done even visually uh it, it, it's very interesting because mm. the, the 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 early part of the film is very uh monochromatic you know he, he's he's everything from the you know the production design to the way it's shot and everything is is fairly void of color um However, as as things heat up and, you know, as he ends up, um, you, you know, going from from New York uh, to New Orleans, um, the, the 
the temperature and everything, you know, even the color of the film and the colors used gets gets warmer, almost as if he is, you know, getting closer to hell or whatever. And, it, and that's what I was meaning earlier when I was saying about some of the some of the stuff that he chooses to do. He, he really uses the craft and the tools that he has, but he, ha he you, you know, sometimes done in quite a subtle way, um, just with you, you know the use of production design and 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 color palettes and things of that nature and uh, that that was something that, that really I agree but this. well this film also includes the fan of death yes. which is a wall fan that every time you see it you know that somebody's going to die going to die no yeah. absolutely again he puts out but again it's this nice mix cuz cuz um as we said he was he was a big fan of the uh um you know film noir uh, cinema, you know, the sort of Raymond Chandler type stuff. And it, it's it's definitely got that kind of feeling to it as well. You know, it, he, he does this detective, um, you know, thing very well. In fact, that's something that always, it, it, it always makes me think of, and I really like these kind of films and these kind of characters, is um, Polanski did that film with with uh, Johnny Depp called The, the Ninth Gate. All right, yes. And, and and it kind of, it, you know, it has that sort of overall similar, similar sort of detective. I know, I know, obviously, in the Ninth Gate, Depp is like a book detective or something. But but um, but, you know, it, it very much has that feel and that style uh, to it. And, and you know, I, I just think it works really well for the material. So. Um, so. So, yeah. 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 And I remember, you know, it, it sort of took me back as to these these were some of the things that sort of struck me about this film at the time, because it, it's kind of, you know, it, 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 it really draws you in because you don't really understand what's going on or where this is going. You know, it's very mysterious all the way through. And I think that it, it, it keeps that mystery and sort of holds you there with that quite, quite nicely uh, all the way through. And then obviously you, you know, you get this reveal at the end, um, of the film but uh but yeah very interesting uh as i said mickey rourke um you, you know i think he's quite an interesting actor um yeah i mean know. he was just, this was at the point where he was at the top of his game big star and so and also was de niro as well because mm. this was back in the days when he gave the damn <laughs> uh, i mean he's still there's, there's one or two there's, there is one or two roles um where lately that you can tell he get the damn, but then when you see a, a poster on the side of the bus advertising bad grandpa <laughs> with De Niro push uh, looking like he's bench pressing, yeah, um, what is his name? Um, oh, who's Zach? Yeah, Efron. Zach Efron. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I just like, what the hell? With him now, you know, he, yeah. you, you just can't think this is the same guy who was in Taxi Driver. You know, <laughs> this is the guy who was held as an acting genius, yeah. and. Well, I think it's, he still is. It, it, yeah. It's interesting. He, he seems his career. He seems to do sort of two sets of films now. He kind of does the the films which which are clearly a uh, you know like a, a, a paycheck, and he ends up kind of almost being a caricature of himself. You know, he's got those films, but then you know, like of late, the film the films he's done with David O. Russell. You, you, you know, I always think you're going to get quality from De Niro when he works with him. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm <laughs> saying there's certain there's certain roles where you can tell he gives a damn, and there's certain roles where you you know he just he doesn't. He's there for the paycheck. Mm. I mean, mm. he's just there to um, bankroll. Um, oh, what's that part of New York that he more or less owns now? Oh, what Tribeca? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, why not? <laughs> yeah, that's that's encouraging new film talent and whatever so it's it's all good yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah but no i i hear you but yeah you're right this 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 was very much when um when they were both uh you know very very high in their game i mean it's 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 interesting um mickey Rourke kind of kind of follows the the sort of brando-esque james dean uh you know school of of of, of acting um I remember, uh, it, you know, Alan Parker commented that, uh, you know, he, he would tend to just sort of leave the camera on on um, uh, Mickey Rourke because Mickey wasn't a particularly, we say about, you know, again, skills for, for cinema and whatever. He, he wasn't a particularly technical actor in the, in the fact that, you know, he wouldn't do things the same every time in terms of his continuity and whatever. But he would never stop acting so that, you know, you'd always get something interesting. And he said, you know, you, you could run quite long takes and he'd be different every time, which would give him, you know, something interesting to, to select in the editing, editing process. But he said, but by the same merit, they could kind of also cause technical editing problems because, because of the lack of continuity that he'd have, um, and he said it was it was interesting when when he and De Niro got together, um, you, you, you know, to do those scenes. Because again, De Niro, you know, very much bringing a lot to, to to this character. I mean, apparently the whole thing with the the nails and the nails getting progressively longer in each scene that you see him in, that was that was all um, completely De Niro's idea. As was the cane that he selected um, that his character has, and. Um, uh, and apparently, I read somewhere that he kind of De Niro, and you can sort of sort of see it when you watch watch it, based some of his performances and mannerisms on Martin Scorsese. <laughs> in the I didn't way, know that. In the way he delivered some of his dialogue and and um, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, just just a few of his uh, his mannerisms and, and whatever, which 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 was quite quite interesting. Well, those scenes are always great. I mean, they they are the sort of standout bits in the film. Mm. Um, they only meet four times, three, three or four times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because did... there's the uh, initial time, and then there's um, the second time in the restaurant with the egg. That's right. Oh, the the scary stuff with the hard boiled egg. Yeah, yeah, uh... saying that the <laughs> the egg in some religions is considered the symbol for the soul, and then he that's right devours it. And then, of course, and then there's the in the church uh when he's down in uh is it louisiana louisiana that's right yeah. yes yeah and he then goes. of course the, the the final scene at the end but there's there's one thing i didn't realize and i only caught it this viewing mm-hmm. was um at the end at the the reveal of yep. um the death of uh lisa Bo- um Bonet's uh, character mm-hmm. you see the old woman that appears in the whole film you know you always see her you know always sort of in black with uh, a veil over and then 
it's De Niro. It's De Niro, yeah. Without a beard funny. or anything. <laughs> he, he just looks really, really De Niro weird. in drag. Yeah. 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 It, it's just, yeah. it was very weird. It yeah, was no, very weird. Well, it is a weird film. I mean, it is it is a weird film. And, and, and you, you know, essentially the, the, the setup for this is, um, uh, you know, it takes place in, in 1955, um, starts off in New York, and Mickey Rourke's uh, a detective called Harry Angel. And uh, he is hired by um, or an associate of, of Robert De Niro's. Come on, what's what is De Niro's name? His name? Well, it's it's not particularly subtle, is it? It's <laughs> Louis Cipher or Lucifer, <laughs> <laughs> or as um, Harry Angel puts it, Louis Cipher. Cipher, yes, exactly, <laughs> Mister Cipher. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's hired to, um, uh, you know, you know, to, to look into this, uh, disappearance, um, yes, of a musician called, uh, Johnny favorite. That's right. Johnny favorite. Um, and, uh, you know, th- this takes him, uh, you know, you know, what would normally be a, a, a fairly routine case obviously turns into something that takes him much far farther afield. And, um, uh you know and gets him involved in this in this sort of world of voodoo um mm. as well which is which you know as as i said it, it it's it goes uh it goes at a reasonable pace uh does, this yeah. film but it, but it is very engaging and it's funny because on a it is the sort of film you can go back and watch again. I think we've talked about this with some other directors where there's, you know, there, there are clues throughout it. And if you go back and watch it a second time, you, you end up, it's, it's a pretty different experience to, um, yeah. because, because one of the things he does very well in this, I have to say is we're, we're always from the point of view of um, Rourke's character. Yeah. So in other words, He's the detective, and we're on that journey with him, learning with him what's going on. Um, well, and he does that be. very well. Yeah, no, absolutely. It has to be because it it's, you know, because that's a good noir detective story. You totally. have to you have to learn the facts as our main protagonist is learning the facts. Exactly. You don't see the murder at the beginning and then, you know, go back and... and yeah. uh, and, and and you know we're ahead of the character, and this one we're, we're completely um, with him, and it's all from his point of view, yeah, uh, which exactly. is why, which is why a lot of the film seems very strange, <laughs> because you, you know there, there's there's a lot of strange stuff going on here, and he's trying to, you know, puzzle it together and and figure it out, and um, uh, and, and and you know, good to see. I mean, it was it was really nice to see Charlotte Rampling in this film a younger charlotte rampling because obviously she's you know she is one of the greats uh, you know of now and it's in in you know you forget that she's been doing this for years yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 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 yeah a very good supporting cast obviously this thing i mean it didn't it didn't mean a lot to me because i was never really into the cosby show but um Lisa Bonet or Boner or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Boner. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> Bonet. But, but, but yeah, it was always it was always very controversial, wasn't it? Because well, um... it was. But I mean, okay. So knowing what we know now, oh yeah, about Bill Cosby. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm not. No, no. I just want to say this because um, again, from that DVD, yeah, um, Lisa Bonet 
said that at the time she was offered this film, because she was still very young, I think she was like 17 or 18 when she did Yeah, yeah. And because of its graphic nature, she asked Bill Cosby if it was, if if she should do it for his advice. And knowing what we know now, it's weird that that he seemed to be all right with it. Yeah. He kind of, and then, but then there's that whole, yeah, you know, <laughs> that sort of just icky feeling now that mm. you know that he he was like read the script and went, Whoa. yeah, 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 no, absolutely. I mean, it is, um, yeah, for, you know, her character. It's 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 a very sexual role. Um, it's it's one that uh, you, you know, in the US, um, it had that 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 scene had to be uh, cut for the US edition. Um, you know, be t- just because otherwise it would, it would have put it from from an R to what was then an X certificate. Mm. Um, and yeah, it, well, it's it's really interesting. This just goes to show, you know, I always I always find this quite funny about the whole, um, you know, what British censors and what US censors uh, have have to change because the in the in the UK version, um, the bit that had to be cut was. The, the, there's that bit where he goes and there's there's a there's a cockfight happening. Ah, oh, right. Yes. And obviously that had to be uh, edited for the for the UK um, uh, certification. But yeah. uh, obviously we had no problem whatsoever with the with the sexuality side of it. Whereas in in the states the cockfight didn't bother them, you know, at all. Yet they had a problem with the sex scene. So yeah. Uh, well, I mean. It, it, it comes down to that we we have two very different cinema systems. One being that an R, you could childrens could still go and see it with an adult. That's right. And they're thinking about the children. Mm. They don't want their kids seeing, um, you know, sex or di- or dirty language. That would be bad for them. But violence, <laughs> violence, violence is fine. Is fine. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, very it, odd, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is very odd. So over here. You know, uh, I guess the equivalent of an R would be a 15. I suppose. I would say an 18. Well, I would have thought an X rated rating would have been, you know, would yeah. be the equivalent of an 18. I mean, I'm not. It's I, changed over the years, though. Years, I know yeah. it has changed. So back when this, I mean, back in 87, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know um, where the line was drawn on that but you're you're absolutely right i guess nowadays yeah an r would be like the equivalent of an 18 um and because uh, you you have that um you have nc17 as well oh, don't you right yes yeah, sorry yeah, yeah so yeah. so I, I think an r would be an 18 and uh, uh an nc17 would be like a, a 15 or whatever but of course oh, okay. a lot of their stuff works like a pg <laughs> doesn't it so yeah it's odd it's odd yeah i mean i i just know myself from having a screening of my my film over in the states and seeing a a parent just bring their child in and then as soon as there was some swearing soon left (laughs) i was just like do you not realize this is not for children Mm. is that it is yeah very strange yeah it's very very different but i mean of course over here with uh, animal cruelty to animals mm. or perceived cruelty to animals, because that was that um, scene in the abyss that got trimmed. 
Oh, with the, the uh, rats, with the rats, yeah, yeah in being breathing underwater. <laughs> like the US version of the abyss, where that bit was a bit longer. Yes, that's right. Yeah. At the end of the day, it didn't really add or subtract anything to it. I think it, they used an alternative it, angle, they, didn't they, where they yeah. were on one of the characters yeah. instead of the uh, yeah. the the, the, and, the lamp and that works. That works fine. Yeah, I thought that that was that was fine. But uh, yeah, you just you know can't harm in animals in this country. Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole people you know, the whole, fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, there's the, the, there is a lot of um, in this film actually. There's a lot of perceived cruelty to to animals because uh you, you know you have the bit with the horse that falls on him and then you have the yeah. bit with the the dog that gets kicked by the horse but i mean obviously nothing is harmed whatsoever and there's no. massively strict laws yeah. you know in the industry against that but yeah um but but uh you, you know the, 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 this film this film i think really works and and i was glad when i went back to watch it that i that i picked it as as, as the heaven choice because i remember at the at the time uh it had an impact on me and um you, you know you know alan, alan parker's got such a good collection of work it was it's really hard to sort of narrow it down to to, to pick one for movie um heaven but you know yeah. in in this case i'm glad i did and i i you know I, anyone out there that hasn't seen this um I know we've sort of more or less told you <laughs> told you what the outcome is, but wow, we, I, I, we I, haven't I, really spoiled it. No, we, we haven't. We haven't gone into really detail. Really talking about the, the the twist in this, have we? No, no, no. You're right. It's uh, it's it's which actually is a little bit of a um, uh, an Alan Parker thing as well. Um, quite a lot, not all, but quite a lot of his films involve uh, a twist in them ah. somewhere as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just want uh, there's one thing that always niggles me, and um, and that is the um opening sequence at the beginning with the credits playing over it. Mm -hmm. You see a, a body in an uh in a street, and you see uh Louis Saifier walking yes. past it. But well, uh, yeah, I, I never or a really... stand in for him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, knowing De Niro, it was him. Yeah, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> no, no, knowing De Niro, it, it was definitely him. Yeah, I don't know him personally, but I've heard stories, and I. Think oh, he's very. Yeah, he's very. Yeah, anything uh, he would, he wouldn't want to stand in. He would want to do it because that's part of the whole performance. Mm. But uh, I never know who that woman is, and I guess it's kind of hinted that they talk about this character. Uh, a fortune teller that that's right yeah but, and then uh, i wasn't quite sure if that was um lisa bonet's character's mother or something not not in the opening scene but that had gone missing um so i was never quite sure who that is yeah no i know what you mean and of course mm. you got the, the the cat and everything yeah I, I i mean maybe it was just maybe it was just to sort of set the scene of 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 you know the violence of 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 the of the area and the time or something but i know what you mean it, you, yeah. you never really know who that is and uh, it might have been just a little, little distracting collecting yeah yeah exactly yeah. it might have just been backstory who knows <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i have to say there's only one thing i think that doesn't work and that's the yellow eyes yes yeah, yeah. well the thing is that was um in, in fact, I think Alan Parker said, if memory serves, on the on the commentary, um, that that he he kind of regrets that now. Um, I mean, obviously, 
obviously nowadays you just do that with 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 a CGI thing, uh, but at the time it well, had to be contact lenses. It's, and, it's, it's and not it's, that. It's not that. I think it's just the fact that it, it, it didn't was, need it. Was it. A touch. Yeah, exactly. It, it didn't, didn't need, need it. it. I mean, yeah, you've got was... De Niro there, and he's he's doing his his best devil. Yeah. You know, um, you know, very he he's a lot more menacing than say Al Pacino's devil. Um, because Al Pacino's devil is just mischievous. Yes, you yeah. Know. Um, yeah, kind of interesting. Actually, they were on sort of yeah, interest yeah. Uh, similar similar paths with this one. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, the he, he's doing such a good performance that you just don't need those yellow icons. Yeah, I, I I think I think Alan Parker fills that in retrospect because yeah. because I know when he when he actually recorded the commentary was well it was probably around. The, the late nineties, early noughties, when the uh, when the DVD was coming out, and um, yeah. he uh, he does actually make that comment that it was a little on the nose, and uh, you know, in hindsight, he probably wouldn't have chosen to do that. But uh, but that's the thing, you know, when you when you that is quite interesting actually. You brought that up because that is a thing when you you know when you're a director, um, you know, essentially your job is is you know, you're interpreting this this script and. Uh, you know, it's. I always look at it. I heard it really well described once. Is it's it's uh, that the directing process is uh, something that starts with endless choices and options, and the further you get through the process, you get less and less and less and less and less choices until you end up with the with the finished film. And yeah. uh, you, you know that that that's so true. You know, at, at that time, he obviously chose. That was a decision he made at the time that seemed right, and he chose to do it that way. But you, you know, when you when you go back and reflect, we always want to change things. And, well, uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. But I, I agree with you, though. I think I think it was completely unnecessary. It was it was yeah. we all we all got it. Thankfully, <laughs> it was very brief. I mean, with it De Niro, was. it was one shot, and then with the kid, it's one shot as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, but then, as I say, uh, though, I do love the whole imagery of um, lifts, these old caged lifts mm. descending. Descending, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Especially in the end, um, so the end credits, you see um, somebody get into a lift, <laughs> <laughs> go down, and then you hear De Niro's voice right at the end. That's right. Welcoming him. <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean i mean it, it is it is a you know an interesting journey um you know a very a very dark film a very disturbing film um but you, you know in terms in terms of the craft of filmmaking you know the story is told really well and it is it is beautifully um shot and, and executed um as i said even down to the little details and uh uh, you know, you know, it captures it captures that era um, very well. Instead of the, you know, in, instead of the sort of fifties uh, being, well, I, I think he described it well, and I, and I like this. Rather than a lot of films, like if they're set in nineteen fifty five or whatever, you, you know, production designers will go out and they will get things that were in in 1955 but the reality is particularly back then when it was less of a throwaway society than, than we live in nowadays is most of the stuff was still remnants from the 40s and and uh 
that's what you know that's what they chose to do with this is was was really go for um 40s uh costumes and props and 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 signage and things of that nature and it's uh and, and you know it, it worked really well and, and and it definitely then gave it even more of that sort of film noir um you know feel feel to the whole thing indeed and also it fits with the story because it's to do with an event that happened during the war exactly war time so yeah yeah yes yeah oh, so there it's... you go so that that you know as i said uh re- re- really good film worth checking out and uh uh, you, you know, so, solid performances and nice direction. Indeed. Right. Well, moving on to my pick uh, for movie heaven. Um, well, at the time, uh, Alan Parker was on a bit of a roll. He was. The following year, he <laughs> made my pick, Mississippi Burning. Yes. Now, um, I remember seeing this. Um, well, I remember seeing again and the video shop and seeing the trailers because um i f- think it came out by orion so it that's was, right yes it was. yeah so yeah. it would have been uh probably you know distributed by virgin so virgin always had that thing at the beginning of their their videos that you'd get like a 10 15 minutes lots of commercials and stuff and i used to love that i used to love that yeah yeah where you had you know, you'd go and rent your film. Oh, I know we're real memory lane guys, aren't we? Probably younger <laughs> people listening to oh, whatever. But, you know, uh, but yeah, you would. You'd, you'd get, because obviously we didn't have YouTube then. So, uh, you know, you, you'd, get, you'd go you'd and have rent. your Netflix. Exactly. You'd go and rent your film. You, you know, you'd, you'd bring it home. You'd stick it in the player and part, part you know. Sometimes, uh, you know, I watch many a film because I watch lots of, you know, straight to, uh, to D, uh, straight to VHS sort of, B movies and whatever, and and often the the trailers were actually more um more more interesting than the film itself. Obviously yeah. not in this case, but you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I I know I didn't catch this video. I'm oh, sorry, this film until it was on TV. So it was right about mid nineties, uh, I saw it. So I I missed the sort of controversy about it because mm. when it came out especially in the states there was very much this sort of i don't know kind of backlash against it because it was like how dare white people tell black people's story mm. yeah no absolutely it was a controversial you know again it made it made people somewhat uncomfortable um yeah you know dealing with the whole civil rights uh well this is the thing this film is a pot boiler mm. it's a detective story um about two fbi agents going down to mississippi to find out what happened to uh three um activists two are white and one are black and there is that kind of it's there there's that racial tension in it and when i was talking about earlier about how a single shot can set up the whole story this film has it straight off the bat it's it's a single shot of two water fountains that's right one that says whites only and the other one that says blacks uh-huh. and the difference between those two i mean the the whites um water fountain is very nice porcelain you know it's actually got a button on it to just to, to let you stop and go and the blacks one is kind of lower down and it's constantly running and it just looks terrible 
and that just it just sums it up the how you know how segregated you know these two races were living in the same place mm-hmm. and then of course the next shot is of course of of a, a church being burnt down yeah fire and that's what you have going throughout this whole film is this sort of tension you know this fire that's trying to bubble out and burst just because of you know of how one group of people treat another yeah no i agree i i, I think uh you know it's, it's interesting uh about alan parker with this sort of thing because you know, the way he approached this, he, he tells the story and I, I didn't feel that it was that it was kind of leaning it from any particular way from any point of view. It was just telling the story. It was the facts. You know what I mean? Um, and well, yeah, I mean, um, originally it was written by uh, Chris Garolimo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, uh, but Alan Parker actually rewrote it, right? Because okay. originally it was just about these two FBI agents coming there to investigate this case, and it didn't take on the social side of things. Which, uh, after doing a whole lot of research, Alan Parker wanted to bring into it, mm-hmm. and so because him and the writer had such a hard time working with each other that uh, Orion actually said to Alan Parker that he was to give them his draft, the script. And if they didn't like it, he would be off the film. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he took some risk with that then. He did. Yes. Which fair enough, because the the film is, is a classic. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, because I mean, as well, so you you have this relationship between these two uh, FBI agents who have two different styles of detective work. You have the straight laced by the book character played by William Defoe, and then you've got Gene Hackman's character who used to be a sheriff who used to work in a Mississippi town. So he has an idea of how things work, how they really work. Yeah. Yeah, and knowing that sometimes you have to bend the law to get things done, and for most of the film, you see William Defoe's character trying to do things the right way. Yeah, and it always blows up in his face, or it, it never works out. And yet, Gene Hackman's way is is sort of the correct way of doing. Yeah, it, yeah, trying to deal with it. No, I, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, you, you know. Willem Dafoe does everything, but by, by totally by the book, and and uh, um, you, you know Gene Hackman, you know he goes in there, and uh, you know again this this was this was an amazing performance, uh, I think, of Gene Hackman. You, you know he is a wonderful actor, and uh, there's just there's just something about his his honesty um, that, that that always comes across in every scene. It's, it's it's really well done. I mean, uh, one one of the important things to point out is this film is actually set in 1964. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's it's uh, um, you know obviously a very a very different a very different time and yeah. uh, and also based on a true story. Yes, yes. Mm. No, and, and which again is another is, is another um, uh, Alan Parker thing. A lot of his. Okay, the last one we talked about wasn't, but uh, a lot of a lot of his films, a lot of his materials um, 
are you know somewhere based on 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 true stories aren't they quite a quite a few of his films some of them yeah, yeah. um uh, others not yeah yeah like <laughs> like the last one we just talked about it clearly yeah. wasn't but yeah no <laughs> <laughs> but um i i what well, i i like what he does with this film that he has interviews with people living there yes uh from this white perspective so it it really sort of it kind of opens your eyes to how it was sort of that way. Mm. No, exactly. In, in, exactly. In the South. Yeah. Well, he, he said a lot of those, he, he, he didn't, they, they weren't scripted as such. They were just interviewed and he just sort of said, Oh, can you talk a little bit about this? And, and they, they'd, uh, you know, he'd let them sort of ramble on and they choose bits for the edit, but you know, he, he didn't hold back. I mean, there was some real, um, there was yeah. some real bigotry coming out there, wasn't there? So, um, there was, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was also um, people who were kind of very even-handed about it, but you could sort of tell that there wasn't anything they could really do, that they could see what was going on, but, you know, that they felt there was nothing they could do about it. So they kind of was turning like a, you know, turning their back on it or you know, not seeing it. Uh But, um, I mean, it's a really good cast. I mean, um, you've got Brad Dorif playing the deputy. Exactly. Brad Dorif's always, he's always great in this, (laughs) in in, in films. It's always value uh, for money, isn't he? He's always entertainment (laughs) value is Brad. Well, the thing is, I'm watching Deadwood at at the moment. Oh, right. uh, You know, he's just great as the doctor in there. Uh, But it is amazing that he can play a really unlikable character like the deputy. And yet he can play a really likable character like the doctor in Deadwood. Uh So, um, you know, he's really good in it. I mean, in fact, he's always sort of smiling and, you know, that kind of idea that you know he's gotten away with it and he he knows he's gotten away with it and he's gonna laugh at it because there's nothing that these fbi agents can do mm. um also you've got um michael rooker oh that's right yes yeah playing yeah you know an earlier role for him yeah playing. yeah i think this was just after he did henry portrait of a serial killer yeah yeah, and he and, he uh, really does play a very nasty racist, doesn't he? Oh, he does, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's very... Uh, in fact, I love the... Um, I do love the bar scene <laughs> where, where Gene Hackman's character goes in to get a, get, a, get a drink with the boys and, you know, do a b- bit of investigating his way. And, uh, you, you know, Rooker's being absolutely foul and horrible. And, and he just ends up, like, grabbing his nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, As... puts him out just like that. It's brilliant. <laughs> oh, that's it. So... And, um, I mean, the other, other actors, like Kevin Dunn, who plays a fellow agent. Yeah. And, all, well, also, it's quite an earlyish role for... Um, Frances McDormand in, in yes. this. I mean, I know she was already uh, married to one of the Coens and whatever by this point, but um, but uh, according to Alan Park, he had to sort of fight a little bit to get her for this because because they you know the studio didn't initially want her for for, oh, for right. this role, and he kind of said no 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 she really is the right actress for this, and uh, you, you, you know he was absolutely right because this this is a great performance from her isn't it in this uh, the chemistry with her and gene hackman is yeah. is incredible in this film it is it is i mean it's um 
by the end of it, you you do think that maybe there there might be a, a future for him. Mm. Well, you kind of want you kind of want yeah. there to be, don't you? But yeah. he doesn't go there, which I think is absolutely the right thing. Uh, you know, not to go there. But but yes, uh, you do kind of you do kind of wish that for them. Or at least, or at least I found I was watching it, you yeah. know, because it was, it felt like, you know, they're, they're they're both such good actors and they really worked well together. I mean, there, there was definitely, um, uh, you, you know, some chemistry between them and, uh, you, you know, the scenes with them in it's good. In, in terms of his directing choices, what one scene I thought was very interesting, actually, yeah. and an interesting choice, is when Jean goes to speak to her in the in the um, the hair salon that she works in. Um, but he keeps the camera and the point of view from outside the window. And obviously she's given at this point, she's given um, his character some uh, important, you know, information, but they show them looking through the window, but we don't hear was what that, they're saying. Was that the point when she tells them where the, the bodies are? Or is that? The no, I think that's she... earlier. I it's, think... Okay, it's 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 when she tells them about the um, the guy they had um, had just released and uh, who was going to be uh, lynched. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 that part is earlier on in the story. But um, but yeah, no. I just I just thought that that was because because for a minute I don't know whether you felt this. I thought I thought oh my god, what's what's wrong? The soundtrack is, is something cocked. Do you, do you know what I mean? It was it was no like, no no. And, no, no, and no, I thought oh, I like the way he's done that. I just thought that no, was a nice choice. No, not at all. I, I've I've seen that happen in other films. Oh, before. of course. I mean, it's been done. You, yeah, but I yes, just thought uh, but you it know, was a nice because because what he did is he didn't do a whole scene like that. I thought that was what was quite in the thing that made it different was mm. yeah, we've seen lots of films where you know you go in and and obviously information is held from the audience you know from a for, from a storytelling point of view but this one he is actually in with them and it's literally that just that bit that he comes outside and then goes back in and i just thought um you know i just, i thought it worked quite nice anyway it's just a little yeah. touch that sort of stuck with me and i thought i like that <laughs> well the thing i um the thing about this film that i i like that i kind of respect is the fact that for for 90 minutes of this film the the redneck characters are getting away with it and yep. they're doing all kinds of damage if it's not lynchings it's you know burnings um, burnings <laughs> yeah i mean the amount of churches that get burnt down in this film is just horrendous and it, it's all from the idea of because uh black people have been given the right to vote but they were just trying to um to stop them realizing that they could do this that they, what they were burning, why they were burning down churches was to stop them ha being used as places for voting. Mm -hmm. And so they were, you know, just still trying to keep them in their place and put them down. And and so you have this going on. And then when finally, I mean, even when they find the bodies, there's still, the, the guys are still getting away with it. There's no proof that these were the guys who did it. Uh -huh. And it's not until um, Frances McDormand's character gets beaten up by her husband, it's when the, the tide turns. It's when William Defoe's character lets Gene Hackman do it his way. Yes, yeah. He takes the kid's gloves off, and that's when the, the tide turns. And then you suddenly, you know, they're 
get in their way. They're they're finally making some progress, and it's just so it feels so gratifying. Mm. Those scenes when you're seeing these guys actually being taken down a peg. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great to see the actor who plays uh, Jigsaw as one of these guys. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Uh, Tobin Bell. He's yeah. he, he was yeah. He was one of the agents. It's uh... He doesn't have a particularly big part in it. No, I think his only line was, uh, do you have a 20? And then when the guy changed for a 20, when he puts his hand in the till, he pushes the till in and he says, if you still want to use that hand, you better come with us That's right, yeah. (laughs) That's cool. And of course, it's got Arlie Emmy as well, hasn't it, as the uh, mayor? (laughs) Oh, the scene with him and the, uh, the black FBI agent. Yeah. Is really priceless because thinking of it, I mean, just seeing Arlie Emery the year before <laughs> as Gunnery Sergeant, yeah, um, in Full Metal Jacket, <laughs> you know, this guy's hard as nails, and then suddenly seeing him being scared of this big black guy, yeah, he's talking about, um, about a young man who had his uh, balls cut off. Yeah. Oh, it's that, <laughs> that scene, I mean, yeah, well, it's that thing. And I think any, any guy that hears something like that, it kind of does put your teeth on edge, doesn't it? Like, ooh. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, that's a good scene. That's a very good scene. It's um, a very good scene. Because, I mean, from the, because he's, he plays the mayor and he knew what was going on, but he, he had no part in it. And he is the one who spills the beans. He tells the FBI what happened. Point yeah. by point, and it's then up to them to try. I mean, it's great how they do it because they they get one of the let's say gang, mem- you know, one of the members of the Ku Klux Klan who was involved in this to fear for his life, and then you know, turn state's evidence against the other guys. Yeah, which they yeah. do brilliantly. Oh, they do it really they, well. I mean, yeah. and and, yeah. and you know, the, the end of this film is obviously very. You know, when you sort of see them get their comeuppance and whatever, yeah. it's very uplifting. But by the same merit, I didn't feel that the film was preachy in any way. No. Did you feel that? I thought, no, I thought, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. It kind because, of dealt with the facts and, you know, told I mean, the story just, really well. It showed that even though, uh, you know, justice had been served, it hadn't been served completely because the sheriff who was, you know, totally involved in it was Got off sc- quitted, didn't free. he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, bastard. But yeah, <laughs> see, it works. We're we're, we're feeling it. <laughs> but, well, that's uh, it. Because I mean, you're watching the film, and it, it brings up those strong emotions as a viewer. You know, you can feel these guys' pain as they're trying to, you know, to solve this case to actually bring these people to justice. Yeah. No, and, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a great film. I mean, this this won an Academy Award for the cinematography, even though a lot of the um, the actors and and Parker is director and and it as a movie was was all nominated, but the only one that actually uh, won was the uh, the cinematography um, award. But yeah, uh, you, you know, I, I mean, I, I obviously I'm sure it was up against some some fabulous films, but well, uh, the, yeah, the it was the year was that um, that Rain Man won. Oh, okay, yeah, the awards, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yep. Gene Hackman missed out to best actor to um... Dustin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. interesting. But I mean, uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought both Willem and and Gene were 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 really good in this, as as well as you know, as we've already mentioned, a lot of the supporting cast were great as well. I mean, this 
you know, this film really has an impact and uh, it has some, you know, it has some absolute painful things to watch in it. Um, yeah. You know, particularly the, 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 the scene that I really didn't like and well, I say didn't like um, was I didn't like the scene. But what I mean is I didn't like what I was watching uh, yeah. was, was, you know, the bit where um, the guy gets strung up. Uh, that's, oh that's God, the 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 farmer. Yes, yeah. Yes, the um, the the one whose son helps them. That's so right. He doesn't be. He's not afraid. No, the of... the young boy with with yes. courage. Yes, which I quite yeah. like that choice actually. Um, and um, the thing is, they they they're burning. He, he's a, a black man who owns his own farm. Yeah. And what they do is they start burning the shed with all the cattle in. Yeah, he goes to obviously help the cat the helpless cattle you know again yeah. again the yeah. cowardice of these people you know yeah. uh you, you, you know burning things and you know the the, the animals in there you know and yeah. running off and whatever but uh uh yeah that that when when they do get him and string him up that that bit is 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 horrible and, and it is it's, and but it's harder still that the, the the boy comes back and you know cuts, cuts, cuts him down. down yeah yeah, and yeah, I, I still don't know if he died or not. I'm assuming he did die. Yeah, I know, I don't know because say. yeah, it, it, that is somewhat ambiguous because because yeah. he he was actually still, he was still alive when he cut him down, wasn't he? But he, but yeah. but whether or not he was, yeah, whether or not he, he survived, not, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure on that. But uh, but but you know, in terms of. Uh, you know when film is done well and done at its best it's you know it, it works on the emotions yeah. then then that bit oh yeah that was that was horrific to watch I thought yeah. that was horrible yeah. <laughs> but but uh, did absolutely what it was supposed to do so yeah <laughs> well the other thing i quite liked about this film was the music by trevor jones yes yeah, so he he's worked in fact trevor jones did the music uh for angel heart as well yes yes he did yeah, yeah. Well, yes, he, he. I think for quite a while was uh, uh, a constant uh, collaborator with um, Alan Parker. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah, music, uh, music in his films. I mean, that is something that Alan Parker, you, you know, feels is very important, as as of course it is in film. Mm. Um, but you know, he always, again, that's always serving what's going on. So it's usually. Um, you know, it's, it's 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 usually something that's that's reflecting the themes or the times or, or or you know what's going on in the film. And you're right, it is it is very effective in this. Yeah, yeah. Though uh, not as good as his score for Labyrinth. Right. Yeah. Oh, back, <laughs> back to the Bowie thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I'd throw that in. Yeah, there, you but... should have absolutely. Well, today's the day to throw that in, isn't it? Abs yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, a, a great film though, and another. Uh, I mean, it, it is a it, it is a classic, and um, uh, yeah, it, it, once again, you, you know, wonderfully executed. I think by by Alan Parker. You know, it's hard hard, hard to criticise this really. I mean, I know I know I know it, it was controversial, more because of it the, the subject matter, but obviously, um, it, it, you know, it's very acclaimed. In terms of the craft, and yeah. uh, and rightly yeah. so, you know. So, uh, Keith, uh, what is your pick for movie hell? All right. Well, t tonight is the uh, the night of my confessions. Uh, I, I have to say, um, I actually broke 
our rules. I broke I broke the rules of movie heaven, movie hell. <laughs> what rules are those? Well, I actually picked uh, a film that I hadn't seen. All right. Oh. Yes. Okay. Well, I, I I think confession time. I picked a film I hadn't seen either. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, no, I I picked uh, for for movie hell. Um, in fact, his last film in, from 2003, The Life of David Gale. And the reason I picked it is I was looking down, you know, as I said, this, this amazing list of films that Alan Parker had done and thinking, oh, no, what the hell am I going to talk about for movie hell? <laughs> you know, I, 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 it was really hard to pick. And I knew that this film had been both critically and commercially uh, panned. And I sort of thought, it, you know, it didn't do well at all. Uh, and I thought, well, okay, let's 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 choose that and watch that and uh, and use that as as movie hell. But the interesting thing that's happened through me not following the rules is I've picked it as movie hell, but I actually think it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't. Oh, I, I think I think it is movie hell. Oh, I'm you... interested. Oh, now the thing is, um, I didn't remember seeing this film. I haven't. I was thinking. So, yeah. I think what 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 is Life of David Gale? Uh, it's just, I don't think I've seen it. And then when I sat down, I sat, I realized I had seen it. It was that unmemorable, and there is a lot of problems. And the twist, the twist does not work. Right. Yeah, and also I think the ending is kind of ruined because the uh, ruined by the player. Okay, by the ending of the player because right. it was that kind of ending. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, um, uh, yeah. You know, obviously it's good when we when we when we sort of disagree slightly on stuff because that's yeah. that's what this is all about. And um, the reason I I chose a film I hadn't seen again, it's kind of what these podcasts are about, isn't it? Is discovering new stuff and revisiting stuff. But um but yeah I, I picked it as, as as movie hell, but I, I actually don't think it is um from my point of view anyway, um movie hell. I really well, quite you enjoyed agree it. with me that it's 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 a one of his weaker films. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. I, I guess um yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I know that there was a lot of, well, well, for, for starters, okay, let, let's, let's, let's go back to the, the, the title, okay? Uh, yeah. As, as we know, you, you know, Alan Parker's been renowned, you know, speckled through his career of, of doing things based on, on, you know, true events, real events, and things of this nature. And, and the title kind of makes it sound like, oh, this is, this is a, a biopic about you know some guy I've never heard of called David Gale, but you know I sh I should look more into this. And of course it's 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 not. It's a it's a thriller. It's a it's a, it's a work of fiction completely. Um, I don't know whether that had anything to do with it for starters. Whether it was one of those titles that kind of put people off, or or that they felt cheated by, or, or whatever. I I don't know, but. Um, it's not a very good title. No, no, okay. It's a very well. I don't know if it's misleading, but it's it just doesn't feel like a really good title. I mean, it, the life of David Gale sounds like something that Disney would make. Right. Yes. 
you know, it, it sounds like the feel-good film of the century. Which, let's be honest, it certainly isn't. Um, no. But, but you, you know, I, I don't know whether, um, whether one of the things with this, and this was kind of, you know, a little bit what we were saying, I suppose, about um, Mississippi burning as, as, as well, is, you know, the, the film works as, a, and this is probably why I enjoyed it, you know, it, it, it's essentially a thriller, this is okay however it's dealing obviously with a with a a, a very serious and and controversial topic again in in this t- case it, it deals with death row and 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 you, you know the, the the death penalty in in uh, the state of texas um but it doesn't really it, it is kind of about that but it doesn't really have a um massively a, a a a sort of big slant it's, it's not preachy is it again we're going back to that it's not preachy I, about it it's kind of I, I think the problem with the film is that uh it takes a very serious subject and then it throws in a ridiculous twist <laughs> yeah know, yeah a, a hugely ridiculous twist with an ending of somebody trying to um stop the execution at the end yeah now, if you know this podcast, you know we're into spoilers. Oh, spoilers! Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I was almost wondering, actually, for yeah. anyone who does. Want well, to see I think it, we have we should, to. But, it, um... We we have to discuss it because this is the this is the problem. So you have a character who's been put into jail for the murder of a friend. He is um, a man who's campaigning against capital punishment, and uh, he's thrown into jail, you know, for murder. Yeah, and he is executed now the the murder and, and well the irony is the irony is yeah he he is obviously um you, you know all for the abolishment of of, of, ca- of yeah. capital punishment but ends up being the guy on death row so yeah, yeah. well <laughs> but the, the thing is it's all orchestrated see you get two twists so the first twist is that it's been orchestrated by a fellow um abolitionist or you know uh, activist yeah and she's murdered herself for the cause with the help of her boyfriend stroke friend or whatever he is uh that i kind of kind of believe that you know that they did this to for the cause because yeah. for the cause because the whole point is being that um early on what so what you have is you have Kate Winslet interviewing uh, Kevin Spacey in prison three times, and he tells the story of what happened. And then you know she gets this videotape where she sees the murder or the uh, you know. But my point being is that early on you see that he has an interview with the the governor, and the governor says to him can you name one innocent person that we've put on death row? Yes. And then straight away, I knew that was what the twist was going to be. Right. That he didn't do it. He's an innocent person. He's been a martyr for the cause. And the way they play it is as if the other people in the group orchestrated it so that he would be the martyr, but he didn't have any control of it. But then we get the final twist when, um, bum, bum. <laughs> We find out that he actually was in on it, that he went willingly. Maybe he was the mastermind of it. 
And then you think about everything that's just happened, what he spoke about, it makes no fucking sense. You know, the whole thing with the the rape, because he's accused of rape. Mm-hmm. Was that orchestrated by him? Or was that just something he used? And it just like, it, it just makes no sense. See, the thing about a twist is that it's supposed to make you look at the story in a different light. And you kind of go, oh, Oh bloody hell! So when you go back and watch it again, you 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 know, knowing the twist, it, it's a completely different story. And if you do it right, it works really well. I mean, you know, the Sixth Sense mm-hmm. was really oh, well, good classic. for that. Yeah, no, it's classic. It's great writing, and it's directed so well. And it's just unfortunate that M Night Shyamalan decided to make that film over and over and over again. Yeah, no, that's a whole nother podcast, but absolutely, <laughs> absolutely we can. Uh, but but uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm, I'll be honest. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't actually. I didn't totally see it coming. I'll be honest, and I'm usually quite good at these things. But um, I don't know. I was kind of because because obviously, you, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to watch this is I thought, well, why why didn't this film do well? Why why has it received such negative reviews and um, you know why because you've got kevin spacey kate winslet and laura linney as the three sort of main characters all of which are fabulous actors you know in in their right so um so i i you know i kind of went with it and obviously you're with you're totally with the um kate winslet character because she plays the uh the, the the journalist that uh is sent you know to actually give this interview and, and or do this interview with with um david gale who's who's the kevin spacey character and uh y- you know obviously he's he the rest of it is done in sort of three i, I quite like the way they went into the, the the flashbacks you know they they did that i of, didn't uh, i thought that was that I, I thought that was really bad the the spinning camera and the 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 flash frames of writing i thought that was awful Okay. I thought that was really bad. I thought it just did not work very well at all. Oh, interesting. Okay, because I, I I quite liked again as as we've sort of talked about with um with uh, Alan Parker is is you know some of the you know the style choices I actually thought you know was all handled quite well. Um, and what one of the things I liked about this as well is. You know, it's nepotism rules again here, but uh, <laughs> he obviously worked with his with his two sons on the soundtrack for this, and okay. the, the 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 song in it it was re- something about it reminded me of that um, Shriekback song from uh, uh, Manhunter. I don't know whether you, you know the one I mean, but um, uh, you, you know, I, I, again, I quite liked all of that stuff. I like oh, which I, um, which song. A Manhunter, or which scene from Manhunter did the music? Play uh, it was oh god, it was the one where uh, when you're around Dollar Hides with him and the um, oh not the right. end, not the end, but the one. No, where no, he's... but I yeah, not uh, in the Garden of Eden or uh, whatever it's called. Yeah, I, I try to oh, think. Dolce Vita. Um, it, it's the one where he's watching um the. the... The, the movies with her yeah and she's oh okay that's not the strong as i am track then ah uh, where he sees oh i shouldn't i shouldn't have gone here should by... i because I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember but uh, anyway oh, okay. the, 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 so, the oh, song well. the song <laughs> the, the, 
the song kind of reminded me of that in, okay. in, in its style, and I, 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 I enjoyed it. I just thought it was, uh, um, you know, I like the performances here. Uh, you know, space Spacey had a tough job in this one, in so much as you know his character, you know, has a drinking problem as well, and so obviously he spends quite a few of the flashback scenes actually drunk and uh you know that's that's a very hard thing to play convincingly and mm. i'm not sure he was successful all the time in that actually there were bits where i was like oh you, you know uh, in places performance seemed a little uh forced um but yeah, I, I don't know. It was kind of maybe you know. I mean, again, this is interesting, isn't it? When you when you watch stuff, uh, it's quite possible because it had been so because well, certainly because I picked it for movie hell. <laughs> yeah. I was perhaps trying to to find stuff wrong with it, which I actually ended up thinking weren't that wrong with it. If that makes okay. sense, because I, I, as I said, I, I um I. Uh, I I enjoyed I enjoyed the ride of this film. I you know I enjoyed the the story and I thought it was you know well executed and I think I think it got you know I think a lot of people got put off seeing this and I don't think it's necessarily as awful as what it's made out to be. But well, obviously think, you disagree with that, which is I fair disagree. Enough. And I think one of the other problems is uh, the Kate Winslet character in it that. The fact that she believes him hook, line, and sinker. She's never once says to him, you know, what about this? Or what about that? Or doesn't believe him or has any doubt. And she's sort of straight away after the first meeting, she's there ready to prove his innocence, mm -hmm. you know. And he, she's kind of like a, is a sucker for this because, again, it's one of these plans that without uh, Kate Winslet's reporter character, it wouldn't work. Mm hmm yeah no absolutely you're, you're right you're right yeah. you, you, i mean you know he was she was obviously selected wasn't she by him for the interview so you know she has like three days or four days to conduct conduct this interview uh before it's, it's, yeah, it's three, three days, days isn't it yeah yeah but it, um, it goes the, the story takes place over four days because she has to do the run to try and stop the execution <laughs> and this is what i'm saying this is why the player has ruined that because it, it does feel like in I could just imagine some executives going somewhere. Well, this is a really bit of a down ending, so we're gonna we're gonna make it more upbeat. We're just gonna have Bruce Willis. No, yeah, Bruce Willis go in there and save Kevin Spacey. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like you know, and I mean, there's that whole thing because her car breaks down. Well, they they start and the she's got to run for it, and it's just like yeah, they, that's straight out of the player. Yeah, they they, they, really they, is. they, they he goes. You know, traffic was was rough. <laughs> it's like it's serious. I was oh, like, I, I'm loving the fact uh, you've linked it to Altman now with the player. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, but uh, um, no, I mean, yeah, they they sort of they 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 start with the running start, don't they? And they've got her like you know, yeah, yeah. And then the rest. Of the I film. think you, you the other problem you have as well is that up to this point, Kevin Spacey has played similar characters to this. You know. Uh, untrustworthy. Mm -hmm. So you know, by this point, he'd played uh, spoiler Kaiser Sose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he played... great movie. But yeah, okay. uh... <laughs> you know, and also he'd been the main guy in in Seven. Yes, and so these are guys who, you know, are 
untrustworthy or that you do you, you know or you get to know and then you find that, that everything you knew about the guy was wrong uh-huh. but just so you think this, he, you think he like, came with baggage is, is what you're saying with this yeah well I, out of those three roles this is the this, this is not even part of those two at all because it's just you know it, it's kind of like there's there's really nothing i mean okay you know there's a lot going on with the character but at the end you're not you just go Bleh. when the, the final twist when you sort of see him come on camera and you know sees the dead body of laura linney on the floor you know laura linney isn't actually dead but her character is and you just go Bleh. and you just go well that was a waste of time then wasn't it mm. You know, all, it's, you, you wanted your ninety minutes back, did you, or your two, two hours, hours or whatever it was? Two hours, mate. It was. It's the, 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 take the twist from Angel Heart, and then you take the twist from this. And I mean, the 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 twist in Angel Heart is devastating. Mm-hmm. The twist in this is, huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's it's so it just doesn't work with a film that's dealing with important subject matter yeah yeah if anything, i mean that, 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 that means it a bit that's the thing that i think um i think that's one of the reasons that that uh you know certainly critically um you know it got panned is is that it didn't really it didn't deal with the issue um particularly it just used the issue as a uh, backdrop for this for this story for this thriller. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, initially, and he, and he it, was it, a producer. Initially, um, Nicholas Cage was involved with this. This was going to be a oh, Nicholas wow. Cage project, and uh, <laughs> um, and Alan, well, that would have been interesting. But, yeah. but you know, Alan Parker was 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 kind of in, intrigued and interested in it. And um, well, yeah, I I, I saw the um, sort of. Uh, promo video for this and he was saying that um that whole year he received scripts and there was there was nothing there he liked and then he got the script to this and this was by a first time screenwriter called charles randolph that's it and he loved it and he wanted to do it yeah yeah and but the thing was he i i get the feeling that he just then went yay let's go and do it and just did it as is where like with um mississippi burning he went he did his research and oh wait there's 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 a bigger story here oh yeah 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 no i mean i'm uh, i'm, I'm not that's that's what's missing with that <laughs> i'm not suggesting no no but i mean but i enjoyed it for it's, what it was yeah i mean <sighs> i don't think it I think, deserved the i think if it's it, got but yeah mm, i do i think it does i mean it that the thing is, is that if it had just been a thriller about a guy who was, you know, in there and he was really innocent, would be fine. But then they throw in the whole thing of him being an activist against it, but then don't actually bring the Activision or anything really into it. I mean, it's very fleeting what those guys do. And you, you never see, you know, there's no moments like inmates, people on death row being interviewed. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm not talking real people on death row, but characters playing people on death row. There's none of that. There's none of that, you know. And it just, I guess, I guess they threw, I guess they didn't go that way because they felt that because this is such a, 
it's a thriller and it's tight and all this stuff that it needed to concentrate on that but then why have the whole you know anti apart from making the twist work and but which it's just ah it, well it's, it's a wasted opportunity yeah well it, it, in, it well interestingly i mean this is back to where we started at the beginning is is this this was the last film he made and he hasn't made one since so yeah. uh you, you know who knows whether that's to do with the fact that this this film was a failure and he hasn't been able to you, you know get get funding to to get new projects made or you know maybe may, maybe beyond this he's lost interest i mean i i, I don't know i, I not... would say it was the latter yeah i would say it's the latter because i don't think that if alan parker wanted to make a film and I don't think he'd have a problem getting funding. Uh, I think he'd have less of a problem than we would. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I mean, did yes, your, how... his last film might have not done well at the box office, but then when you've got films under your belts that people consider to be classics. Yeah. When when when, it, when he when he did his interview at uh, at BAFTA, um, you, you know, he 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 did talk. You know, again, he's he's quite outspoken, and he did talk about how uh, how difficult it is to get. Um, funding for the projects but but when i went to see it actually um it wasn't his uh his 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 receiving the fellowship or anything what it actually it was the same year as that but it was um okay. it was actually they, they had a special screening uh, which is another a totally different film of his but one that i really like of the commitments oh okay. uh, so they had a special screening of that with a q a with him afterwards so they didn't they talked about his career but they didn't sort of linger too much on 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 things like like this for example because um it was more about the commitments and 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 you know obviously that journey and that film which is a very you know a very different film of his and again one that i remember sort of you know back in the day when it was on i a real fan of that film and and visiting it oh. a couple of years later you know again that could have been a contender yeah. for movie heaven definitely oh god <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i i really considered that film but uh mississippi burning was just a bit over. Oh, yeah no but i agree saying saying that though um wilson library every saint patrick's day they had a cinema there they would play the commitments mm -hmm. so um yeah, I, I never did it, but I always remember going past her and seeing the uh, the sign ups that the commitments were on. And I know they they toured for as a band for a while, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, you know, the music in that was fantastic, mm. and, and that oh, film gotcha. was really well done. But um, but uh, yeah. So y you know, for what it was, I didn't totally hate this film at all. I mean, I mean, I know often my movie hells are sort of you know movies that. I think are just okay or whatever, but, um, <laughs> but no, I, you know, I, I actually enjoyed this. Uh, obviously, as I said, I went in well, you know, I often think would my experience of it have been different if I'd gone fresh to the cinema to see it, to see a new Alan Parker film, not knowing any of the, um, uh, you, you, you know, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the reviews and the sort of, yeah. um, the sort of the bus. Yeah, about it. I wonder whether you know I'd feel differently. But what watching it with this in mind, watching it with the minute it came on in my head is, oh well, this is mo my movie hell, so I need to pick this to bits, sort of thing. Um, yeah. It actually surprised me. It was actually not quite as you know, not half as bad as I was expecting. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you went in with low expectations. I went in with low expectations. But you still hated it. It met yeah. my, my <laughs> expectations. <laughs> Yeah, right. uh, yeah. I mean, oh, one 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 other thing that just about Alan Parker in general. I know we still got another film to talk about, but um, Sonny guy, you know, he 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 says he repeats quite often in his in his commentaries and interviews, which which I find quite interesting uh, about filmmaking and about him as a filmmaker. Is um, he's not so much into you know, building sets and filming things at a studio. He said, even though obviously it comes with massive um, uh, problems to actually film on location and, and you know, film in real locations and, and things of that nature, he said it, it, he likes that because he feels that, um, you, you know, it brings authenticity and it brings something you quite, can't quite put your finger on, but it brings something uh, to a project. So quite often, um, you know, he and his crew will go to the actual locations like, you know, Louisiana or whatever, wherever to film, you, you know, obviously for the exteriors. They're not trying to make somewhere in, uh, you know, part of the U.S. look like it. They actually go to that place. And likewise, when they film an interior, again, it's, you know, it can be problematic filming, as we all know, but often they'll, they'll use an actual existing um, building or location and redress it uh, for, for, for the you know, the production design will go in and completely redress it for the purposes of, of the stories filming. And I thought, you know, that, that was quite interesting uh, to hear, you know, in terms of his approach that he likes to do things that way. Because, um, yeah. you, you know, he feels that it, it, it brings that nth degree to something. Um, so yeah, so he, and and the reason I bring that up is 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 a lot of the um, the prison scenes in this were actually they were recreated, but they were filmed in the actual place, um, which I thought was quite interesting. So it wasn't on actual death row, but it was filmed at that prison. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so uh, yeah, interesting. Well, moving on. Moving on. Uh, my pick for uh, movie hell is The Road to Wellville. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember seeing the trailer for this in the cinema, and I, my reaction was, what the fuck? <laughs> it, it, very weird. A journey into uh, the bazaar, yes. <laughs> well, the, the, the trailer makes it look really weird, but when you watch the film, not so much. I think... That, uh, the thing was that the trailer makes it look really zany and it it's it's not that zany i mean they they they're going for the zany element the, the the first thing that starts the film off is a lot of people laughing yes yeah <laughs> but not laughing in a natural way they're going ha 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 yeah and it's like in time to music and and in the soundtrack they use a kazoo a lot yes and if you use a kazoo in the soundtrack, that means you're zany. Quirky, yeah. It means you're wacky. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of kazoo going on in this film. Right, right. A lot of kazoo action. But, I mean... The, uh, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, it, it, it's about a cult. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's this weird amalgamation of... It's a sex fast where you have Matthew Broderick and Bridget Fonda visiting this sanitarium. <laughs> 
the um the the battle creek sanitarium that's run by dr kellogg's <laughs> him of the of the cornflakes corn fame. fame yes indeed yes who is an absolute health freak yeah to the to the the nth degree yeah i mean total nutcase for i mean the fact that he talks you know he examines people's stools <laughs> or shit <laughs> i mean seriously i mean anthony hopkins is having a really good time in this well yeah I mean, I mean he's he's got these these teeth that make him look a bit like a rat yeah i i, I remember because because again um th- this was a film i went to actually see this in the cinema in 94 um, and I went to see it because it was an Alan Parker film. So there you go. The fact that it was an Alan Parker film made me want to go and see it. Um, I'll be honest, I did try, tried everywhere. I wasn't able to actually get a copy of this to uh, to, to, to rewatch for, for, for the purposes of this podcast. So I, I am going back some years now when, yeah. when I last saw it, sadly. Um, but I remember one of the things that sort of struck me about it is, is, is let, let's be honest, Anthony Hopkins, wonderful actor that he is. He's, he's not the most chameleon-like of actors. Um, you no, know, he's always no. pretty much Anthony Hopkins, yeah. Whereas in this, um, it did seem that, uh, you, you know, by, by wearing the, the odd teeth and whatever, um, he it, it did, he, you know, he was able to sort of, transform his, his performance quite a bit to what we're used to from Hopkins. Is that fair to say on revisiting it? Yeah. 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 I mean, I have to say, um, akin to your uh, confession, I had not watched this. Online. Oh, okay. You hadn't. I, I picked it solely off my memory of this trailer. Okay. I solely, I had never, the trailer was so off-putting that <laughs> I just did not want to watch this film. So that's why I picked right. it. I, so it's my first time watching ah, it. Interesting. Okay. It, okay. It's not as bad as the trailer is. Uh, it's just very. Uh, it's it's. It's somebody trying to do a comedy, and just missing the mark. Yeah. It's not very funny. There were moments where I laughed. Mm-hmm. I I my, the one thing I really laughed at was at the end because you know you got dr kellogg's as a health freak and you know i'm this age and you see him sort of dive into the water and the mid dive he has a heart attack oh and that floored me right <laughs> because that only floored me because throughout this whole film he's been such a you know fanatic about um you know cleansiness yeah to the point of you know uh you know having no sex um having enemas five times a day right being a vegetarian um you know and is, is that how he died i mean is that true yeah that is true. I, I don't know i don't know okay i don't know but that that's how he dies in the film. right I right didn't i didn't go and you didn't <laughs> research, you didn't research uh, john harvey <laughs> no. kellogg no okay no All right. no <laughs> no fair enough fair enough um but the the, the thing watching Matthew Broderick's character is sort of brought there. He doesn't want to. He wants to leave. He doesn't like it there, and he's literally, you know, dragged off to his room 
by these like you know two orderlies mm-hmm. big orderlies <laughs> and then when he's sitting for lunch with everybody um one of them starts singing the song and everybody starts singing it on cue right as soon as they hear it they're singing it and they're like these people are like brainwashed and the things that you know they believe is good for them like they have these um they're like electric baths mm-hmm. oh yes having, i remember this yes yeah baths and they have electricity yeah. going into yeah. it and you know matthew broderick his character is like the voice of reason he's like isn't this bad for you it's water and electricity and uh the john neville character is like oh no this is really invigorating and of course they have a, a character who's called mr unpronounceable gets electrocuted right oh well this is where the fast comes in because they have several people who die accidentally you have like uh, i don't know he's the assistant or the accountant has a heart attack and uh dr kellogg is like this is really bad publicity for my sanitarium. You're having a heart attack. You 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 died outside my sanitarium. Um, you also have um, yeah. So he dies. You have Mister Unpronounceable have a heart attack, <laughs> and then also you have um, Laura Flynn Bowles' character die as well, right? Because she don't eat. <laughs> she's very. She's a in the in the film. She's very grey, right? And uh, but yeah, it's just this weird thing where he's working on people's neurosis and about health and fitness and just sort of brainwashing them in his way of doing things, which is you know mm. totally wrong. But in the film, they show the sanitarium as a clean place, very clean. Mm-hmm. The normal world where people eat meat and drink uh, alcohol and stuff dirty is it muddy dirty people covered in dirt it's a mess mm-hmm. it's the, the dishes you wouldn't want to eat off and then it's it's really sort of trying to you know elaborate you know really sort of show the two different worlds you know i've i don't know if it's alan parker saying that he kind of likes the world of the sanitarium because it's very clean it's very pristine and yet the normal world with normal people it's dirty it's grungy so th- this is this is so so basically it, it, it's a lot more like we were saying about he does a lot of things that are quite subtle and subliminal but this is this is a lot more heavy-handed and it's a price very <laughs> i think because he's it, it's been like a wacky comedy yeah. that he, he's gone down that route because thankfully not all of the story takes place at the sanitarium um you also have john cusack's character that's right. Who is a entrepreneur yes. who's come down to Battle Creek uh, to start a rival cornflake company <laughs> to Kellogg's uh, with a, a Mr. Bender. Yes. And uh, who turns out to be a swindler and has used all the money, you know. And he creates but, cola. Is that yeah. right? Is that, is that? Oh, at the end, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, yeah, Coca Cola. Yeah, I, I seem to remember um, that. But it, it, yeah. there's, there's bits and pieces. I mean, I remember thinking it was, was really weird, and it wasn't what I expected from, from Alan Parker. But I mean, I, I, you know, this was him, I guess, trying to, trying to deal with a different genre and trying to deal with, 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 with mm. a comedy or a farce or however you want to call it you know a, a bizarre a piece fast, of work yeah. yeah um yeah. but uh yeah i sort of remember 
yeah, you know, I didn't kind of have a desire to watch it again, particularly. Hence, you know, why I hadn't seen yeah. it um, up, up again up to this point. Um, did as I said, I did try and see it. It's it's not that easy to get hold of. It's it's not on no. it's not on Netflix. It's not on Sky. Um, it's not easily available on DVD anywhere uh, without paying quite a bit of money. And after after getting burnt with um, space <laughs> truckers, I, I thought, no, I don't really want to do that again. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, and, and it's yeah. one. It's funny. It's one when people mention Alan Parker, it's not one of the, you know, obviously things like The Wall and uh, Birdie and the commitments, you know, in the films we've no. reviewed tonight sort of spring to mind midnight express etc but this 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 really doesn't does it it's not one you sort of think about and oh yeah yeah that's an alan parker film mm. yeah i i have to say i i'm, I'm glad they had to sort of they had the other storyline going because that was a bit more interesting and there was a third storyline which i thought was actually far more interesting than anything that was going on in either one of the other ones and that was the storyline of uh Dr. Kellogg's and his son George. Okay. Especially when George was a little boy. Oh, is this George played by him of um uh, Wayne's World fame? Dana yeah. Carvey. <laughs> yes, yeah. But it's not the Dana Carvey uh not him, not the, the George played by him, but the, the, the George played back in flashbacks by the young George. Right. This because what the story goes is that uh dr kellogg uh cannot he cannot create children right and um and so he adopted a whole load of them including george and out of a lot of them george is the rebel he's the rebel mm -hmm. and um he never does what he's told and when every time he gets disciplined he turns it back on them he goes so far that it, they they have to make him stop. I mean, the first incident is when he's told to to come in and put his coat on the hook, and so he has to do that until four o'clock. Uh -huh. And he has like a, a a nanny who's looking after him, and when he comes back, he finds that the kid's still doing it. Right. And it's like it's time to stop, and the nanny says he won't stop, and he does. He just carries on, and he keeps on doing it all through the night, and. He, to the point where he annoys everybody else <laughs> and you know uh, dr kellogg has to stop him from doing it and he's just it's just this wonderful relationship I and mean, it works out at the end with the older george but i'm watching these these scenes i'm thinking wow these scenes are far more interesting than the rest of the stupid film mm. it's annoying when that they, happens they work really well i i it's annoying when a subplot yeah. is more interesting than the than the the main story. Yeah. And uh... see, I would like to have seen a film just about that relationship. Mm. That that storyline could have been. I would have loved to have seen that because the the young actor who's playing the kid was just great. He had a, a really unique look to him as well, especially with the little curled up hair sticking up. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was just a shame. Um, the road from Wellville. There you go. <laughs> Uh, so 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 is 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 this i mean is it is it the the road to woe woeful <laughs> just a bit yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, like you it's a film i i don't think i'll ever go back and watch again right but saying that um i was very happy to see uh an actress in it that 
she hasn't done many parts, but I, I always I always like it when she turns up, and that's Tracy Lind. Mm-hmm. And I remember her from uh, Fright Night Part Two. Oh right, okay, yes. She played the girlfriend in it. Right. And I always thought she was very good, but she she only did a few roles, and then she sort of disappeared. I think she got married and had kids and decided. God, you mean she chose a life instead of the yeah. career? What, what, yeah. What the I, hell I is she doing? That's the case. <laughs> I believe that's the case. I don't know. Okay. Or maybe she decided to have a different career or something. But I I always like it when I see her appear in a film, so I was very happy to see her in this. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm just looking her up now, actually. Now we're... Now you mentioned that. What was the last thing she did then? Oh yeah, she hasn't worked since the uh, the late nineties. So yeah, shortly yeah. after that film, then she uh, no. she didn't work anymore. Yeah, mm. but I have to say, uh, all the actors in it are in really good shape, and I think because they knew that they were going to be in the buff a lot. <laughs> so Matthew Broderick was probably in the best shape he'd ever been in. <laughs> Because okay. the amount of time he's got his shirt off in it, it's not ridiculous. not the Stepford Wives shape, then. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> ah, yes. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. As I said, it's 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 unfortunate that I wasn't able to sort of um, revisit this one to uh, to, yeah. to to offer a bit more than just a memory about it. But uh, <laughs> but I do remember it. It's, cer- it's certainly not. In, in my opinion, anyway, one of his standout movies. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it stands out, but just for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and it was a, you know, it's something that, that was a very different uh, performance from Anthony Hopkins. But again, I can't really remember yeah. whether I thought that was different, good, or, or different, bad. <laughs> uh, well, he was good on screen. I'd say yeah. that. I mean, he's always very watchable. Yeah. And it was, it was nice to sort of see him look very different from his usual look as you say because in the films he's always Anthony Hopkins yeah yeah yes funny so, what a prosthetic uh, will do isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um do you have any last words about uh, Alan uh, only that this is kind of it's, it's interesting because uh, you know there are so many directors out there and um you know we've all got our favorites and whatever but um yeah, it's just kind of made me want to go back and watch more Alan Parker, really, which is which is good. It's made me want to, you know, revisit some of the because there are some of his films, that, you know, I've only probably seen the once. Um, there may even be a couple in there that I've not seen um, still, and it, it it does make me sort of think, yeah, this is, you know, he he is a he is a direct. I definitely want to check out the website. Um, yeah. you mentioned oh please do it's, uh, it's a great website and uh, especially if he's got essays and stuff on there i love all oh, that yeah. stuff you know yeah uh, alan parker yeah alan parker.com he's got his like uh onset diaries and stuff on there so. yeah i mean i i know i know as i said i was doing the research there was a there was a hell of a lot more that i intended to talk about and mention with him as is always the case with these things but um but uh, yeah, I'm 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 slightly the worse for wear today, so I'm I'm, I'm finding <laughs> that I'm having to search for things, and uh, yeah, I don't feel like I'm being particularly eloquent here today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, he's he's a um, I think he he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely one. If if people haven't seen his work, then then he is definitely well worth checking out because. Um, 
you, you know, he knew his craft and, it, and, he, and he told some excellent stories. But, you, you know, it was, it was mainly through the, uh, the, the, the 80s and 90s, or the late 70s, 80s and 90s. And like you said, since the, uh, since the turn of the century, he's, he's kind of um, disappeared off the boil a little bit, which is, uh, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's still a hell of a lot of has a hell of a legacy to leave behind. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, we're going to sign off in our usual manner. So, Keith, how can we find your work? Uh, simply go to YouTube and put in Keith. Uh, sorry, British Isles E Y L E S. See, I told you I've lost it today. Um, <laughs> British Isles E Y L E S, and you will find uh, short films that uh, have been written and directed. Find me and you can find my work at independentrunnings.com um please uh subscribe to the show on itunes on uh mixcloud on youtube and on stitcher please leave us a review and rating and uh yes and uh check out our uh, next podcast coming next yep. week really appreciate the support from everyone so please leave us a review exactly <laughs>